Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello and happy, happy Monday, friends. I'm Paul Ross and you are listening to the TalkSport Daily Podcast. And on today's edition, you hear from Rio Ferdinand telling Man United who they must, must, must sign in this transfer window. And it is not Jaden Sancho. There's a reaction to that massive win for West Ham over Wolves. Come on, you irons! As well as a rather tetchy Spurs manager, Jose Mourinho of this parish, after they conceded that late equaliser against Newcastle United. And we won't mention handball at any point. Much. Actually, that's a complete lie. Anyway, we start with Darren Bent's boot room as well as Andy Cole on the Sunday exclusive, looking back at that whopping 5-2 victory for Leicester against Man City. The Foxes out foxed them at the Etihad thanks to a Jamie Vardy hat-trick. The Premier League during the pandemic has produced plenty of strange performances and results, but few could predict this. When you look at their back four and teams that play against Manchester City, I think a little bit the fear factor is now gone because, yeah, they can pass you to death, they can create opportunities. But you know, full world, if you stay in the game long enough, they will give you an opportunity to score. And ultimately, when you've got one of the most dangerous marksmen in the Premier League in Jamie Vardy, he's going to take chance after chance after chance. Vardy raced onto it, obviously had the keeper to beat, and it's a little step over and flick with the right boot. Absolute impudence at its best. At his age, he's actually getting better. I think because he's not tingling on the head, he's given him opportunity to play for longer periods. Obviously, as you get older, you lose your pace a little bit, but he's playing what, once a week, twice a week. That's more than enough for him. Previously, he was like 100 miles an hour. But as you get older, you start to get used to things, you know. You take a little bit more time. If you look at his finishes, especially this one, that's a cultured finish, that one. What a story. He's on for a hat-trick after that brilliant improvisation. Vardy, again, against Edison with the all-pink kit. Stands big. Vardy, right-footed, goes low, goes to the keeper's left. We made sure that we we tried to frustrate Rodri because he gets on the ball, makes the passes, and it it gets them all into into higher positions so frustrating him even if we are winning 1-0 they, they just wait I don't know what mentality because today they work uh, but in 100 games uh, I don't know how many times it works we start to thinking we are playing bad when we are not playing bad in the first 30 minutes so because we cannot expect when a, a team Jamie Bardi is 10 metres away from 18 yard box and then players behind you cannot expect to score 10 goals in the situation that we are now but just in that be patient be calm and everything is going to be well now, West Ham, without manager David Moyes, who was taking charge from home as he self-isolates, but the mighty Irons still thumped Wolves 4-0 at the London Stadium. You hear from his assistant, Alan Irvine, but first, the Wolves manager, Nuno Espirito Santo. Poor chap. We did a bad game. We did a bad game. We didn't perform well. We Defensively, we were not good. Um, West Ham were organised, but uh, each time they, they went for attack was was a chance of goal and we didn't we didn't create 
Uh, not many. Well, I would certainly think that this club wants to be competing in the top half of the league rather than being where it's been too often in recent years in the bottom half. So that's where we're trying to take it. You know, David's very uh, determined to take it in that direction and, you know, given the, the right breaks and, and given a really good opportunity to, to work with the players over a long time, I, I think you can do that. David Moyes may indeed, Alex Crook, enjoy working from home. Uh, whether he'll be working from home after next week remains to be seen. But for now, a very pleasant evening for him. He had a, a phone link to Stuart Pearce, uh, who then passed those messages on down to the touchline via Paul Nevin. So, uh, so, so yeah, David was obviously watching the game. He was obviously heavily involved. The substitutions were, were substitutions he wanted to make. So, you know, it was it was very much uh, him in charge. Now Spurs were heading towards a win against Newcastle United when Steve Bruce's men were awarded a controversial penalty in injury time, meaning the match finished 1-1. Spurs boss Jose Mourinho stormed off down the tunnel but did speak to the media grudgingly after the game. Right-footed Wilson scores and that... Tottenham won, Newcastle United won and they have robbed a point here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. My team did a fantastic match. I cannot ask more from from the players. Their goalkeeper was phenomenal. I cannot ask more from my players. We kept them away from the special box. He couldn't do more than what he did. I think the team played very, very well. It was a very complete match. Defensively, offensively, uh, no problems defensively. We create uh, lots of chances. Uh, really, really good. I'm very, very happy with, uh, with the performance. It's ludicrous now. With his back to the ball and his back to the goal, Eric Dyer jumped up to defend it. He had his arms out, as you do when you jump, and it hit it. And then the referee, Peter Banks, has gone over to the monitor and given a penalty. But what did you make of the actual VAR decision at the end? I don't want to comment. I just don't want. Maybe we can do something about it. Maybe the managers or the Premier League can do something about it because if we're not careful, we'll ruin the spectacle, which I think everybody enjoys around the world is the Premier League for what it is. But these rule changes are absolute nonsense. Well, the handball law dominated the weekend's football in the Premier League after some interesting decisions, and that's putting it mildly. Here's the take of Palace manager Roy Hodgson, West Brom Slavon Bilic, Perry Groves, Sam Matterface and former Villa striker Gabby Abong-Lahore all talking about the handball controversies. have to start making um, kits with um, pockets in the shorts because if you're a defender you might as well put your hands in your pockets when someone gets into the box because your hands have got to go somewhere they've got to go behind your back there's going to be penalties given left right and centre this season some strikers who aren't great at shooting might as well kick the ball at the defender's hand now Hudson Adoy standing up towards the far post again and it's Robson Carner with the clearance and it's fired low through the crowd and Tammy Abraham will turn in the so as a manager, I have to say, how on earth this goal was given? How on earth? This is a handball and that's it. Not to the referee. The ref- for the referee who were on the pitch, goal, it's impossible to see it. But that's why we have VAR. How that goal was given, I, I don't know. This handball rule, this idea of uh, the ball hitting your hand below your T-shirt line accidentally, no matter where it is inside the penalty area or from how far the ball has been kicked, is a terrible law. It's a morally corrupt law because it punishes the unavoidable. It should never have come in. I don't care what 
criteria they have, and I don't care how they try to dress up the criteria. The fact is that people who love football, what's happening at the moment is killing the game. Everybody who loves their football knows that this is an absolute ridiculous rule. It's, it's actually spoiling the game. Now this is from Saturday, or game day as we call it round here, and Man United's incredible late win against Brighton after the final whistle had actually sounded. You'll hear from both managers, but your commentary team was Sam Matterface and Mick McCarthy. But first, this is United legend Rio Ferdinand before the game and why they need to sign before that window slams shut. Upa Meccano's been one of the big names who's been pushed about. Young, very good on the ball, athletic, strong, mobile, plays every game, which is a big point as well. He's one who you could see who could come in and play right now. I think Koulibaly, I think, has been talked about for two or three years now. He might have missed the boat because of his age. You're going to have to spend 70, 70 or £80 million pounds and he's, there's no resale value. So, But Upa is the one that jumps out to me. And he's down and in by Sonny March and there is the equaliser. And Brighton have come from behind to nick a point that they certainly deserve against Manchester United. And it's no surprise to anyone that after four massive chances, eventually Solly March is on the score sheet. How often can they get in at the far post in the right-back position? I mean, it's ridiculous that a team like Manchester United, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has put, he's made the changes, he's got Juan Bissaka to be the right wing-back to deal with this and solid marching and they just don't mark that's, that's outrageous a long time I've been beating the, the drum about buying a centre half mm-hmm. the club I just think it's, it's, it's not going to solve every problem but I think it's one of the biggest problems that I see at the football club at the moment there's not a, a, a real dominant centre half there where you can a centre forward in the opposing team's looking across and going mm, that's going to be I'm going to have to do something today to get to get any change out of him is there going to be a last minute penalty and is the game going to have to be restarted Mick McCarthy he's coming over to look at the monitor if you want drama this is the place to be don't go anywhere don't ask me what happens again the final whistle's being born the game's over he's <laughs> coming to make a decision This now this I've never seen this ever he's given the penalty he's given the penalty this has never been seen before in the Premier League. Bruno Fernandes from the penalty spot for Manchester United. He runs up right-footed, rifles it into the top corner, earns all three points for Manchester United in the most controversial of circumstances. This club has got a history of winning things in Fergie time, yep. but the 100th minute of the game, which has already come to a conclusion, so after the full-time whistle, is that going to be called Solskjaer time now? <laughs> because uh, ultimately... That's the first I've ever seen of a penalty being converted after the end of a match. What was your view of the circumstances? Of course, great reaction by our players to go up, create the corner, good header by Harry. And I think, I think Harry's uh, claiming that the ball went over the uh, goal line when, when the game was going on. So I didn't see the, the handball, but it's clearly a handball. So it's the right decision to give a penalty. I don't know... Uh, any other way it could have ended I thought they were very poor in the first half uh, Ollie and the staff have always had a right pop at them in the, in the dressing room I don't think I didn't see anybody running forward they were all coming towards the ball it was a poor performance Brighton played very well their performance all round I thought was very good and when they got their head at the far post with Solly March yeah. I thought it's a point well earned and much deserved I think the final result is really hard on them. Yeah, it's a first for me, that's for sure. It's a new experience after thinking we scored in the, with the last kick of the game. But obviously I'm not uh, responsible for the time 
Um, if the referees deem there's more time, then there's more time, I guess. But um, yeah, I thought we could score with the last kick. So we're obviously very, very disappointed to say to say it's an understatement. Next up is British welterweight Connor Ben, who was alongside Adam Catterall on Fight Night from the weekend. Always a great listen. The show airs 10pm every Saturday. And when the topic of uh, MMA boxing crossovers came up, he urged anyone from the UFC to challenge him in the boxing ring. Frankly, I'd rather not. Why don't we? Like, I mean, since this is all going on, any fighter, UFC fighter, Dana White's got in my division, come over in the boxing ring and let's have it out. Why not? Why not do a matchroom versus Dana White UFC fighters and you lot come over here? Don't worry, we won't get in the cage because we know our place. But if you lot think you can have it with us, how about you lot come and step in the boxing room with us on a matchroom versus White, Dana could, White? Could you make 145? I'd make it for the right money. Yeah? Of course I would. Because I'm just thinking weight categories now. So their featherweight division is 145. I don't know if I should be saying that, but I mean, since we're all crossing over and you've got retired fighters yeah, coming out, why not? Quid, if there's a few quid. So, uh, the, uh, yeah, there's a couple of uh, nice little knocks there. For example, at £155, their champion there is Habib Nurmagomedov, the guy that beat uh, Conor <laughs> yeah. McGregor. Do you fancy that in a, in a, in a boxing contest? Well, he, can, he can jump in a boxing room with me. He can jump in a boxing room. It's two, two different sports. Leeds beat Sheffield United 1-0 in that Yorkshire derby, live and exclusive to TalkSport on Sunday. We can now hear from Leeds' Jack Harrison, but first, Blades boss, Chris Wilder. Yeah, I didn't think we deserved to lose the game. I thought we deserved something from the game. I, I personally thought we, we, were, we created the better chances um, and we have to take those chances. And if we did, I, I believe we would have won the game um, and, and we didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to take for all of us. A whip ball in Bamford with a downward header and Patrick Bamford has done it. Three minutes to play and Bamford has surely come up with the winning goal for Leeds United. And he's the first Leeds player to score his first three top-flight games. And everybody who said he couldn't score at the highest level has found their words ran back down their throats. Yeah, exactly. You know, he had a lot of stick from the fans last year, but you know, he's we, we've all had faith in him as a team, and I know the manager has as well. And you know, he's proven his worth in the first two games. We knew how important it was to come here and get three points today, and uh, you know, I think uh, we knew it was going to be a challenge, but the team fought it out right until the end, and we were able to get the three points. And now some remarkable radio. The first episode of the documentary series Coming In From The Cold, the history of black footballers in the English game, was aired last night on TalkSport. Here's a snippet of what to expect from episode one. Jessica Crichton and former England goalkeeper David James talk about the very first black professional player and goalkeeper in England, Arthur Walton. A black goalkeeper is unusual in English football. Even today, let alone at the time when English football was becoming professionalised in the late 19th century, here's former England, Liverpool and Manchester City keeper, David James. Arthur, the first black player, the situation again when you look at the, uh, the sort of population and the change in population in, in England, you know, these guys were flag bearers for what, what I had as a career and what players are going through now from minority backgrounds, if you like. And from what I understand, what they had to endure was, I say horrific because of what we or where we are now, um, but what they had to endure was commonplace in their society. So for them to, and again, football wasn't this million, million pound a year industry then, this was the love of the game. So for those guys to actually, they still pursued the love of the game. And I think as, a, as an athlete, as a competitor, that's the side of things that, that I love about what these guys did. 
and you can listen to the full episode of Coming In From The Cold on the TalkSport app right now. It's must-listen radio. Tonight, Liverpool face Arsenal in a repeat of the Community Shield match played last month, which Arsenal won, of course, on penalties. Ahead of this game, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has spoken to TalkSport's Ian Abrahams and Mighty Moose. They discussed the club's impressive unbeaten home record, and Klopp was asked if he goes into home matches expecting to triumph. Nighttime, at lunchtime, at um, in, in different moments with supporters, without supporters, um, it's it's our home. We feel really well there. That's true, um, but it's no secret recipe or whatever what we have, and that we don't expect to. We never expect to lose, to be honest. But we don't expect either to to win. Um, it's just we we know we have to we have to work, um, and we want to deserve three points. That what we want to. That what we want, and um, yeah. That's it pretty much. Nothing else to say about it. Swept out to this left-hand side in a Bamiyang. Lovely chest control just inside the penalty area. And a fabulous goal by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Another Arsenal goal. All the players are involved in their defending. It's like um, they defend probably in a 5-4-1, um, which is um, when you have quality players in the team, is a pretty, it's for the other team a pretty tricky situation. Then with the speed they have um, for the counter-attack, that makes it... that. that can cause you some trouble and that's the situation and we finish this podcast with Danny Kelly and the gang on the Trans Euro Express talking all things European football it was announced um, I, I guess about 25 minutes ago now on the, the, the Portuguese stock market Benfica uh, say they've arrived at an agreement with Manchester City um, for uh, the movement of all the sporting rights of Ruben Dias to Manchester City for the amount of 68 million euros um, that can grow by a further 3.6 million euros uh, depending on uh, the sporting objectives uh, reached by Manchester City now you may notice there's a little gap here um, Shape uh, that's Nicolas Otamendi shaped. Uh, mm, now, yes. the, th- the thing is, of course, he is going to be part of the deal, but it's going to be done separately for about 50 million, 15 million euros. 50, well, that'd be something, wouldn't it? Wow. Um, uh, ba- basically, because um, it, it will work well for the, the balance sheet of both clubs. The other defenders that Pep Guardiola and his recruitment team were looking at, Jules Kunde of Sevilla, who was so great against Lewandowski in the week in the Super Cup, Jose Maria Jimenez, Kalidou Koulibaly, they're not midfielders converted into defenders. They're all proper defenders, which maybe says, well, maybe the penny's dropping with Guardiola that he needs someone who is a proper defender, someone who he's been almost allergic to in the past when he's made Mascherano into a defender, when he's made Kimmich into a defender, when he's made Fernandinho into a defender. So signing a young specialist who actually relishes the job of making tackles and winning headers is quite interesting. It's been given away now by Thiago Silva. It's Robertson again going through on goal and he drives it low beyond Caballero and West Bromwich Albion lead by two goals to nil and it's a defensive nightmare on his debut for Thiago Silva. Now he's got more than enough on his plate at the age of 36 making his debut in the Premier League. It's a new league, it's a much more competitive challenging league, it's a much less dominant club, it's a new language. Don't burden him with leadership don't do that, you know. So that was that was just an inevitable. You know, as soon as I saw it, I thought, well, what on earth does Frank Lampard not know the player that his club have just brought? What was Frank Lampard thinking of? And there are there are little errors of judgment, there are more serious mistakes, and there is making Thiago Silva captain for his first Premier League game. 
Well, it's, it's an insanity. And if you know the player, if you know the player's history, you, there is no way you're going to do this. He was captain of Brazil. He was the worst captain Brazil have ever had as a captain. That's it. I'm back tomorrow morning on Extra Time from 1am. There will be another one of these TalkSport daily poddies out first thing in the morning when Mr Goldstein returns, you lucky people. Until then, be safe, everyone. Be safe. Only don't tell Andy I said that. It's his copyright. That was a podcast from TalkSport.